Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Last November, Missouri voters said yes to legalizing recreational cannabis for adults 21 and up. So when sales of legal recreational weed began on February 3rd, folks in the Show Me State did what you did what you could uh, for several years already in Illinois, stand cheerfully in lines to get their goods. It's now April 20th, and residents of Missouri have continued riding that high, lining up to get their tokes, edibles, and all manner of cannabis products. Eric Schmidt, STLPR's economic development reporter, is here to talk about the ways legalized recreational marijuana has lit up state revenue and demand. Eric, welcome, and thanks for being here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Well, it's probably no surprise that Missouri dispensaries have made some coin since recreational cannabis sales began Mm -hmm. on February 3rd. That first month, the state posted $103 million. And in March, the figure rose to 126 mil. But each of those numbers include both medical and recreational use marijuana. Eric, is there any part of how much has been made, though, um, that's been surprising? I think that well, if you talk to people in the industry, it's not necessarily surprising, but they're very pleased at the robust level of sales that we're that we're seeing. Those numbers break down. I think the March figure about thirty million was for medical cannabis, and you know that leaves about ninety ninety five million for uh, recreational cannabis, and mm-hmm. that puts, according to the trade organization, that puts Missouri on pace to have a market that is producing about a one point four billion dollars in sales over a twelve month period. And and we say twelve month period because sales started in February, not in January. Sure. And that is more than what some, uh, what the expectation was uh, going in. The you know some growers and and I guess other. In others in the industry had expected around you know five hundred million to seven hundred fifty million dollars in sales mm-hmm. uh, a year. So m- the market is is pacing a lot faster, or a lot larger than than that figure, which, uh, which which is good for the state. Right. So I mean, is that estimate? I mean, now that you have some numbers with a you know a trade association. Um, maybe there is a, an inclination to have a, an aspirational or, dare I say, enhanced <laughs> sort of figure. Um, but do you feel like it does align with what the trend has been? Yeah. So the numbers that we get, the $100 million for February and the 126 for March, that comes from the state. And then the projections are, are from um, the, you know, based off if, if that's going to continue along along that same trend line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you get the projections. Of course, it, it could go up. It could go down. There have been some reports of, like, uh, supply challenges in terms of dispensaries, maybe not having every single uh, different product stocked. Um, and, and that's something that actually kind of has naturally happened as states transition from a medical only market to right. a recreational market. So what we're seeing right now, I mean, it, it from what I can tell and having covered what happened in Illinois, it's, it's pretty consistent and par for the course. Mm-hmm. So you see parallels between what happened in Illinois, which also 
was medical first and then recreational. Yeah, there are some parallels. I mean, I think that the supply challenges that we saw in Illinois in 2020 were a lot more, uh, they were a lot starker. Um, and from the people who I've spoken with, you know, you can, the, 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 uh, for the reporting for the stories that I've done, it comes down to, from what I can tell, Missouri has, uh, almost three times the amount of cultivators as Illinois has. So when you have a supply crunch, uh, it's easy to forget that this is a crop. It takes time to plant, to germinate, to grow, right. to get to harvest. So that, so that whole process is is many months long. And so mm -hmm. you can't just flip a switch and say, hey, all of a sudden there's more it's cannabis. <laughs> sure. So when the, the, the positive for Missouri is when you have more cultivators who have more space to build out into, the supply constraint can alleviate a bit faster than maybe what we saw in Illinois, where there were, there was, a, it was constrained over 2020 from what I remember. And then even a little bit into to 2021, uh, I would definitely have to recheck my notes on that. Right, but sure. that, that was, that's, that's my memory of it. Okay. Now in the, in the intro and what you've been talking about, clearly money's continued rolling in right? And demand for recreational cannabis is high too. Maybe too much so? I mean, so tell us what is happening around supply right now. Um, I know, you know, you'd said that there are three times as many cultivators. Yeah, about that much. Yeah, but there's still some some gaps. Yeah, I think the, the gaps in that, it comes from the amount of time it takes to produce a product. Okay. Uh, so if you, like, if, if, you know, one of the one of the sources who I spoke with who who does uh, they have a couple cultivation facilities. I mean, what she told me was, if we had all of the capital today, so that's that's a part of it. Is sure. is okay. you know when recreational when the recreational amendment passed, that wasn't a sure deal. So if you're a cultivator, it's like, well, we're gonna wait and see what happens uh, to to decide whether or not this is going to be something that we continue to build out more because maybe you invest a whole bunch and then the the amendment doesn't pass and then you're stuck on the hook with an, with an investment that might not pay off. So mm -hmm. there's that. So it's you know securing capital and then even after that, it still takes months to to get that product to to market. Um, so from what we can tell, the 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 constraints of right now probably will alleviate you know within the later part of this year because there are more cultivators who have the ability to expand and start growing and then you know get that to market a little bit faster but the the challenge here is trying to stick the landing not overproducing and not underproducing which right. has been a challenge in a lot of different states not just Missouri and not just Illinois mm -hmm. now on the supply front you know what kind of opportunity might there be then for you know, fully bloomed or budding cannabis growers um, or entrepreneurs, and is that opportunity equitable? Not exactly. Uh, the way that Missouri's uh, amendment worked, if you had, if you're in the medical, if you were established in the medical industry and had a license of good standing when the amendment passed, then you could reapply and be and basically get a, a, a dual use license to do uh, recreational as well. So that set up the existing operators in the medical space uh, to have more of an advantage mm -hmm. and less of an advantage for people who are looking to break in specifically. And there's been, you know, d uh, different types of reporting about the uh, the you know current racial makeup of of those who who own dispensaries who operate grow facilities and that 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 has been reported you know even before recreational um, cannabis started so it's 
it's challenging. I mean, there there are people who who do criticize the way that the amendment Amendment Three was written as mm. as creating almost a separate class of licenses for what what are considered you know social equity applicants, which is those are the people who are who come from backgrounds that are you know uh, maybe their family member a, a family member was incarcerated for uh, you know some type of cannabis charge or it was they come from a community that has experienced disinvestment. You know it's it's these it's from what I've heard from my sources, it's not as easy to break in, and and then you have to get back to the uh, reality that this is still a federally scheduled. Uh, substance, mm-hmm. and so that makes it hard to access capital. It makes it hard to access banking. It, you know, there there are layers of um, of challenges that are that that are on top of uh, you know what, what's already existing. Mm-hmm. And just a last word: How do you think innovation plays into this? Yeah, so innovation it's it's an interesting thing when you bring that up. The 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 best way I can describe it is with Illinois, you have uh, you know fewer fewer players. In Missouri, there are more players, and that tends to drive you know the just you have a bigger market. So there's a there's a more of an ability for people to introduce different products because there's just more players out there. And we'll hear more about that in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope so. <laughs> Eric Schmidt reports on economic development for St. Louis Public Radio. Thanks so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Today is 420 Day, which is an annual holiday that celebrates all things cannabis. It's also the very first 420 since Missouri voters legalized marijuana for 21 and over adult use. So we've been talking about what's changed in the Show Me State, starting with revenues since sales began in February. In summary, it's been a show me the money, lots of money. And because St. Louis on the Air is very much about issues and interests pertinent to everyday community members, producer Maya Norfleet hit the streets in the Grove Business District in South St. Louis to talk with folks about cannabis. We wanted to know if Missouri's legalization of recreational consumption has changed opinions, habits, or conversations with family and friends. Maya met Stephanie Nunes from Valdez City, a small municipality in North St. Louis County. Stephanie is 34 years old and shared that she smoked weed since she was a teenager. She said she smoked on and off over time, and the only thing that has changed for her is where she buys weed. Prior was um, from street dealers. Can I say that? <laughs> um, but now um, the accent, like, like going to a dispensary is definitely like easier. I don't do it all the time, but it's just easier um, because I also have like weird reactions to cannabis. And so being able to talk to the people about like the strengths and all of that stuff is helpful for me because I don't want to be knocked out in 10 minutes. Those kinds of conversations with workers at dispensaries have helped Stephanie get her high with a more predictable and satisfying experience. I think specifically, like, when I say, like, okay, I'm looking for something that will give me, that won't have me, like, sleeping or won't give me, make me, like, paranoid, they're able to tell me, like, okay, you want a head high versus a body high, and I'm like, okay, cool, which one is that? Just tell me which one versus me having to figure it out on my own. 
Because recreational marijuana use is now legal for those 21 and older, Stephanie said she feels more open to talk about cannabis with her family, specifically her mom. I did recently offer my mother some weed. Um, she has some sleeping issues, and I was like, hey, do you want to like smoke some weed? She said no, but I would say, like, I think my age plus the legalization makes me feel more comfortable to have that conversation with her. And how, how does she feel? Is she comfortable having that conversation with you? No, she thinks that all substances are the devil, so she's not trying to... <laughs> she doesn't even drink, but, you know, whatever. Producer Maya Norfleet also spoke with Patty, a 38-year-old mom from South St. Louis. Patty asked that we not use her last name because of the conservative atmosphere within her home and her professional life. She recently started using cannabis by way of edibles containing THC, the main psychoactive compound in marijuana. Patty said her upbringing kept her from trying cannabis as a teen. I think, you know, when you're young, you know, I'm a millennial, so the, the geriatric millennial. So you go through like the D.A.R.E. program and then you see like, you know, you always hear marijuana is the gateway drug. And if you smoke weed, you're going to be smoking crack soon. And so, you know, so and then I grew up in church. So, you know, you just stay away from it or things like that. And so as I've gotten older um, and more secure in myself and then I've seen people who I love and respect and care about are also, you know, weed smokers or use edibles or, you know, take cannabis. And so it's made me feel a lot more comfortable with doing it. And plus, like, there's a lot of research. You can read out a lot about stuff so you can know, like, what you're taking and ingesting. Um, so, yeah. That's what's made me a lot more comfortable with it. Patty said she started doing more research on cannabis in the spring of 2020 when people were encouraged to stay home during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I think the pandemic and just having to be stuck in a house with a kid and having to be enclosed and all that kind of stuff and reading and just, just thinking about all kinds of stuff and how to like just not be so anxious, not be so nervous, like just kind of be in a place of calm. I have definitely introduced myself to cannabis and I think it's changed my whole outlook on it. After her research, Patty now understands more terminology around marijuana and what works and doesn't work for her. Like the difference, like strands, like there's like sativa and there's like indica, indica, yeah. And then you learn like the milligrams and stuff because sometimes you like have this envision in your head like you're going to be stoned and you're not going to be able to walk or talk or anything like that or you're just going to be like a zombie and now I've learned that like you can function with, you know, edibles and cannabis and things like that. While recreational cannabis use is now legal in Missouri, Patty still navigates taboos around the drug. She has yet to visit one of the many dispensaries that are now open. I just think I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not that comfortable with it, yeah. What are, what are you afraid of? I don't know that somebody I know might see me in there. <laughs> so you don't want, you don't want anyone other than your family to know? It's not that I, I mean, yeah, this is about as forthcoming as I've been about it. <laughs> Producer Maya Norfleet also met 28-year-old Johnny Stees, who lives in Tower Grove. 
Johnny has smoked marijuana since he was a teen, and while he is excited about legalized recreational use, he wants more done for those who remain incarcerated because of past marijuana-related convictions. I love cannabis, and the fact that it's uh, legalized in Missouri, I say yay. But uh, also, um, the main thing that for me that's like, um, with how I feel about it, it's like, it's cool that it's legalized, but free the homies that, you know, y'all locked up for the for the possession of having that because at least, you know, they'll be able to say, okay, yeah, I spent this much time, and now that the uh, situation is like what it is now, we'll be able to do something about that. Like, not only you will regain your freedom, um, but also we can educate you more on the concept of it. Now that you are uh, able to be free, how about we just teach you about the business and give you an opportunity? I think that would be really um, helpful for anyone, anyone that's uh, locked up. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be really dope if it, if it was to have a bill passed for that for anyone that's incarcerated. Johnny recognizes there are folks who are not and will never be accepting of cannabis. He said he's had some experiences of people talking down to him and his friends about smoking weed. I don't have any bad feelings towards anybody that don't like cannabis because it's actually a choice, just like cigarettes. And how is that going to be legal and not cannabis? You know what I mean? No, okay, okay. so so back to the question. Um, people people that look at uh, cannabis like in a way like, oh, I don't want to do that, either, either or are either straight edge or just had a bad experience with it. And we don't know as like just a random person on the street, like, yo, I don't know your situation, but at the end of the day, if you don't like it, that's cool. I'm probably smoking one right now, and I'm about to walk over here because you're probably irritated by the smell of it. Producer Maya Norfleet also caught up with 22-year-old Jacob Krasinski from Midtown St. Louis. He was just outside a dispensary in the Grove right as the shop was closing for the evening. He said his mom has never been okay with his cannabis use, especially when he was a teen. But recently, Jacob said, she started to soften up. My mother despised cannabis use growing up. And it, it took legalization for her to even realize that there was anything to it. She, would have, she valued it way worse than alcohol. And it's just interesting to see how times have changed and how she's changed with them too. And I feel like a lot of people are dropping their stubbornness towards it and being just at least accepting of it. Jacob has used cannabis since he was a teenager, but he told our producer he's aware there are ways to be mature and knowledgeable about the good and the bad regarding the drug. With cannabis use, and I think uh, I've seen a lot about reproductive harm and the stuff about brain tissue not coming right when you have it at too young of an age. I, I haven't really seen much research behind that stuff, but I'm willing to be open to the fact that there are downsides to it because there's downsides with anything, especially in an in large quantities. So I think there, it would be a completely safe substance if, if there was a mature management of the usage. Our thanks to producer Maya Norfleet, who went to the Grove Business District in Forest Park Southeast to talk with folks about their attitudes towards recreational marijuana use, especially as we're seeing Missouri's first legal 420 day, the holiday that celebrates cannabis culture. The last person you heard from, Jacob, takes me back to a conversation we had on St. Louis on the Air earlier this year, right before dispensaries were given licenses to sell to anyone 21 and older. 
When I talked with Nicole Dossey, CEO of Prevent Ed, we discussed how to talk with minors about cannabis use. Prevent Ed, formerly called the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse, provides training and education on ways to mitigate or prevent drug use and misuse. Here's a bit of that conversation from January. I asked Nicole Dossey about an op-ed she wrote for the Missouri Independent and whether she incorporated elements in that piece that address the ways she's seen or heard people all across the age spectrum talk about marijuana. I heard um, my son, uh, he's almost seven. He was, oh, you too? He was, I have a seven-year-old stepdaughter, yep. <laughs> so uh-huh. He was in the car with my husband um, the other day and he said daddy it smells like LA Mm. so you have already said that kindergarten you know is is not too young to start uh, talking about cannabis and what are some of the lessons that have come from other states about ways adults can broach the topic of cannabis use especially when it's everyday settings like driving around in the car if we can incorporate these sorts of talking points into health classes into school um, beginning actually the research says around fifth grade in really age-appropriate ways Um, so our seven-year-olds it's amazing that the lines of communication are open and they're asking the questions in school around fifth grade like I said is really when we when we start and that's about uh, 13 Um, about 10 10 10 yeah about 10 11 yeah and so um, But we know that we can teach this in school, right, through the health classes. But then when they go home, they're going if they're going to neighborhoods or families that are not maybe providing the same information or providing counter information or I would argue worse yet, no information, then that can sort of undo what we just taught in school. So with your seven year old, the fact that he says it smells like L.A., like what does that smell like? Where do you think that smell is coming from? My um, seven-year-old this weekend, we were watching food uh, cooking shows. I love cooking shows. And they were talking about all of these different options, you know, that are that are healthy. And one of them was CBD and THC infused. And my seven-year-old goes, oh, that, that looks really good. And I said, well, I said, you know, your brain is not ready for that yet. And she says, well, how old do I have to be? And I said, well, we know that your brain is finished growing around mid-20s. I said, so how many years do you have left? And then we turned it into a, a math, math lesson, lesson. right? <laughs> now, if, if you're shaking your head at home, I mean, what I, what I really want people to know is that the conversations around cannabis are very similar to the conversations that we hope that people are having in their homes around alcohol or around tobacco, right? The fact that, you know, science knows that our brains still aren't growing or aren't finished growing until our mid-20s. How does that impact uh, learning and development? Justin said he wants to know facts. Well, there's some things we know and there's a lot we don't know. And being upfront with kids about what we know and what the science still is yet to, to know about, that's huge because as, as long as you don't lie. <laughs> they don't they don't like that. Right, no one right. likes to be lied to, right? So if you're just open and honest and utilizing those teaching moments, whether it's on TV, music, music's a great one, um, vaping. We have a lot of kids who they go in the car and they see these huge puffs of smoke. And then when they 
come into class, they're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Right? Imagine if they could actually utilize that moment in the car with their adult right. and talk through what that is. That was Nicole Dossie, CEO of Prevent Ed, which provides training and education on ways to mitigate or prevent drug use and misuse. Nicole joined St. Louis on the Air earlier this year, just before legal recreational cannabis sales to adults 21 and older began in Missouri in early February. She talked with us about the whys and hows of discussing cannabis use with minors. We brought back some of that conversation to round out today's coverage of Missouri's first 420 day, a holiday dedicated to cannabis culture since voters approved its legalization in November 2022. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.